Welcome back to the Lash Business Lounge. I am your host, Lauren Lappin, and this is the place where we talk all things lash and beauty business related. Hello and welcome back to the show. Today I'm going to be answering a few of your questions that you sent through to me on Instagram a couple of weeks ago. I posted on my stories asking whether you had anything that you wanted me to touch on during the podcast or yeah, if you had any questions and I had a few good ones. So I'm going to answer three of them today, three of the best ones. But yeah, again, if you've got any ideas about the show, something you want to hear me talk on, someone you want to hear me interview, if you want to, you think you've got a cool story and you want to be on the, on the show, let me know, please reach out. But yeah, I will get into it straight away. So the first question that I had was, how are your girls hired via employment or subcontracting? And are they incentivized? So really, really good question. All of my team are employed. So in Australia, there's three different types of employment. Oh, well, really two really if you boil it down so casual and permanent but yeah within those two areas there's there's really three so casual employees which are not permanent employees and then you've got your permanent employees so either part-time or full-time so yeah uh, those people are usually hired that you know they've got an employment contract and you know they have a minimum standard of a minimum set hours per week every week and they're entitled to leave and you know other bits and pieces so I have always employed all of my team properly so through wages I pay them a set wage an hourly rate I have never had subcontractors and I will talk about why that is Uh, I know there's a lot of salons out there that do have subcontractors uh, but I guess I, I'm a control freak <laughs> and there's a few other things that go into this, but basically the biggest thing for me initially was how can I control a subcontractor? I can't. They're not my employee. I can't really say anything about the level of work that they're doing. I can't force them to wear a uniform. I can't force them to present themselves in a manner that, you know, I want them to present themselves. I can't force them to interact with their clients the way that I want them to. Overall, if you're choosing a subcontractor, it has to be a pretty bloody good operator because they're representing your business and your brand. So, You know, I know a lot of people are very quick to just get subcontractors in because they think that it's going to be a lot easier, you know, the managing staff and, you know, they don't want to have to pay them a wage. They don't want to have to worry about that. They'd rather get paid for this subcontractor to come in and use their space. Now, like I said, there's a lot that goes into this, but first of all, I was like, I can't control a subcontractor. I can't tell them what to do. They're not my employee. They're not bound by, you know, the rules and, you know, policies and procedures of my business and how I want clients to be treated. And I got big problems with that because 
my level of service and my standards for the way I do things at work are very, very high. And I don't think that I would cope very well if subcontractors came in and they left their shit everywhere. You know, they spoke rudely to their clients or rudely to my clients. You know, they were coming in, bringing people that I don't know outside of normal business hours. They were posting things on social media that had my branding and, you know, my salon in the background. I wouldn't cope very well with any of that. I really wouldn't. And I do have friends that have salons that have subcontractors. You know, they've actually started their businesses out as a, you know, a co-working space model. You know, they never intended to have employees and they actually have people coming in and renting chairs or renting little rooms and stuff like that. And let me tell you, they have all the same problems that I have had with staff, with actual staff that I have on wages. You don't escape that by getting subcontractors in over actual staff. That reason there is number one reason why I wouldn't get a subcontractor in. I just, if I can't control what they're doing within the walls of my business I and outside the walls of my business, it doesn't sit well with me. So number one. Number two, you just get subcontractors and all of a sudden you've got a salon full of subcontractors and you've got no other space left, your income's capped. So they're paying you per day. Say you've got five spaces in your salon, you've got five subcontractors, all renting, they're on a weekly rental agreement, right? Your income is capped. You're only ever going to earn off each of those single contractors their weekly amount. So it might be like, I don't know what the going rate is, I'm just going to throw a figure out there, might be $350 a week that they pay you to use that space in your salon for a week. Now, you might be thinking, bonus, 350 bucks, and I get that off three people, that pays my rent for my salon. So anything I make with my clients is like, you know, the icing on top and my rent's covered. Yeah, cool. That's cool. But that's definitely not earning the big bucks. And if you want to earn the big bucks, if you want to do really, really, really well, you need to have staff. My girls bring in at least $4,000 a week each. There's a big difference between $4,000 and $350 each. Yes, I pay them, but it's a lot more profitable having staff that perform well. Yes, you have to manage them. Yes, you have to teach them to be amazing. Yes, you know, you carry risks with them going and working somewhere else or working on their own, but I believe that everything in business is a calculated risk. And one of my favourite sayings, you got to risk it to get the biscuit. You do. (laughs) You really do. If you're not taking risks, your business is probably not going to be that successful because you actually need to make those hard decisions and do the hard things to get good results. Yes, it is a lot of work having a team, but I'm not working on clients hardly at all anymore. I work in my salon for six hours a week on clients, sometimes less but still I pay myself six figures and my salon turns over seven figures, right? So my lifestyle is very different to a salon owner that sees clients plus has contractors. You haven't got anyone to cover your clients really. 
if you're sick or you're on holidays. You're not making money. You've got the little bit of money that's coming in off those people's rent, but it's not a lot. It's not, you know, 20 grand a week. And I know that that's not, you know, not, that's not what I put in my pocket. But when I'm not at the salon, my salon's still making like 18, 20K a week, right? So I can afford to go on holidays and do things and live life normally like I would anytime. Whereas it's a little bit harder if you've only got subcontractors. So this has been my experience. You know, I wanted to be more successful. I wanted to create a business that I didn't have to be in all the time to be making money. I didn't want to be working on clients, you know, 40, 50 hours a week forever, right? So to be able to do that and still make a lot of money in this business, you need to have staff. So I hope that that cleared that up. Um, It's helped you make a decision in regards to which way you want to go, employees versus contractors. I love helping people build their teams and manage their teams and incentivize their teams. So the last part of this question was actually about incentives, which I'll go into in a sec. But if you want more information on this, please feel free to reach out. Send me a DM on Instagram. I'm over there at at Lauren Lappin underscore. And I can chat to you about my coaching packages or my coaching program where I cover a lot of staff management stuff. So even if you've already got staff, I can help or I can help you transition from just you to growing a team. I can help you with that process. But yes, my team are incentivized. I have a few things happening. I have individual bonuses that all of my team members uh, receive. And I also have team incentives as well. So we have a monthly team incentive that I run every month. And I've got a couple of other little random ones that I sprinkle throughout the year. And also they always are incentivized to generate more revenue and rebooking clients for the salons. So I delve right into my incentive structures inside of salon goals. And I share this with my private one-on-one coaching clients as well. And I do believe that hard work should be rewarded and it should be rewarded properly. I've spoken to salon owners a lot over the years that are like, how do you get your girls to make so much money? And I'm like, well, my number one, my prices are right. Okay, I've worked out what I need to be earning to be profitable for every hour that my staff are working. But, you know, I'll have salon owners say to me, I remember one conversation I had with someone was, oh, Well, I worked out if they sell $500 worth of retail products, they get $50 cash. And I'm thinking, you got a lash salon, like there's really not a lot of retail that you can sell recurring lash clients. (laughs) Like if you've got like a big clientele of recurring clients, you know, you're not going to sell shit to them every single appointment. I'm not a big believer in the hard sell. I don't believe in selling people shit that they don't need. Right. So I'm all about helping people and making sure that they get the most out of their service. So I only sell complimentary products for the services that I provide. But, you know, selling $500 worth of retail as a lash artist is a pretty, that's a big ask. Like that's a lot in one week. $500. Like have a think about how many cleansers you've got to sell to, you know, reach $500 consistently every week. So I feel like that was like a lot of work for not a very big return, like $50 cash. I'd be like, meh, 
whatever, I'd rather just take it easy this week at work. I don't want to try and flog off cleansers to every single client that walks through the door. <laughs> so you've got to structure it properly and make sure that they're they're happy and it's achievable. It's got to be a little bit out of reach, but it's still got to be achievable. Otherwise, they're not going to try at all and it's not going to be worthwhile implementing a bonus system. So like I said, if you want more info about that or you want to you know, implement something like that within your business, with your team, please feel free to reach out to me about one-on-one coaching or my Salon Goals group coaching program. All right. So question number two, it's a big mindset one, this one. So it was, how do you share your success in front of your staff knowing that they have less? Big mindset one here. (laughs) First of all, I want to start by asking, whenever you've worked for someone in the past, whether it be you worked in another salon or you work for a bigger company, maybe you worked for Coles or McDonald's or KFC or Officeworks or, you know, you work for a big company. Were you ever jealous of the owner's success or the manager or anything like that? Like, were you jealous? Did it make you want to quit because they had more than you? I'm guessing probably no. Now, when I think back over the bosses that I've had working in salons and other businesses, small businesses that I've worked in and large companies, I don't even know who the boss is. I used to work at Coles. I, I was a checkout chick for like four years. Um, I don't even know who owns Coles now, whatever. But I certainly never thought about the owners or the managers having more than me or whatever. I, Managers at work, I was kind of like, well, they've been here longer and they're older than me and of course they're going to have more money than me and a nicer house and a nicer car. You know, I'm only 18. Like, (laughs) you know, how can I resent them for that? I'm only just starting out. So, yeah. And then when I worked in other small businesses as I got a little bit older, I didn't get into the beauty industry till I was 25. No, 24 actually. I started my training, but I never resented the salon owners that I work for, or the small business owners that I work for, I, again, was kind of like, well, they're older than me, so of course they're going to have a nice house, a nice car, da-da-da-da-da. Of course they're going to make more money than me. They're the owner. Like, they've, they've done the hard yards. Again, they have risked it to get the biscuit, and I have respect for people that do that, and I always have. So, I mean, I guess it goes a lot into the type of people that you employ. You know, I would probably advise against hiring people that are glass half empty, you know, very envious of others and things like that. But I know that's hard to tell from one interview. I know I've got stuck with people like that that interviewed really, really well in in the beginning. But, you know, I'd question having those type of people on your team, but really it might just be you overthinking it. Yeah? Yeah. You might be scared to show your success because you're envious of other people's success or resentful about it. I'm sorry, like, you know, I'm just putting it out there. It may not be the case, but usually the thoughts that we're worried about, you know, other people thinking about us are because they're thoughts that continually come up in our own minds. So I'm not I don't share my bank account balance or anything like that with my team. But yes, they've all been to my house. They know the car I drive. Obviously, I have my Instagram account uh, for my coaching business where I do talk about the success that I've had. And 
occasionally I do have thoughts come up thinking, oh, you know, if I share this, am my team going to become resentful over me? But they're very fleeting moments where I have those thoughts. I've gotten better with it the more I've done it, but it's taken a lot of work on me to actually fix those negative thoughts that my team may or may not be having. You know, most of the time I've just cooked them up in my own brain. And I would say that's probably what you've done as well. So, yeah, I think share away. I don't think that anyone would be resentful, especially if you've worked really freaking hard for a long time to achieve the success and the things that you have. No one's going to resent you for that or think less of you. But I have people that I look up to in my life that have achieved a whole lot more than I have. And I'm just like, good on you. That's freaking awesome. How do I get there? Tell me, share, share with me. How do I get to that level? You know, but I don't think that your team are necessarily having these thoughts, especially if your team are made up of quite young girls. They're probably looking at you like you're an amazing role model and something to aspire to in the future. And if you have fears or unfounded fears around them seeing what you have and then wanting to go get that for themselves, yeah, that might happen. But again, I always say this, if you're an avid listener of the podcast, if you, someone works for you for two or three years and they make you $200,000, dollars $300,000 over the course of their employment or more, and then they go off to start their own business, how's that, how's that a fail? They were a good employer when they were with you. They made money for your business and now they've moved on. Everyone moves on. No one stays in the one job forever. It's nothing personal. People grow and develop and change. You know, they might not even want to do beauty or lashes or brows or whatever it is that you offer, you know, forever. So if it's a deep-rooted fear really of them seeing what you have, thinking that then they're going to want that for themselves, just know that if that happens, it's probably going to be a really long process. And it does take a long time. You're a business owner. You know how long it takes to achieve that level of success or accumulate that many possessions or, you know, buy a nice house or whatever. So a lot of mindset work with this one. I think that you might need to work on some of your beliefs around success or jealousy, like being envious, et cetera, et cetera. But I really am willing to bet that this is something you've just cooked up in your own mind and your team isn't really feeling like that. So I think share away, be proud of what you've done. You've, you've done it. You've built a successful business, a successful salon with the team and you deserve to enjoy that. So yeah, I hope that one helped. Third and final question. I know that you know, I only got one of these questions, but I've been asked it a million times whether I've met people, you know, in person or someone's messaged me or, and I know it's a lot of what you are thinking, but the question was a solo lash tech moving into a bigger space closer to the center of town, more rent, but is it going to be more clientele? All right. I feel maybe I should have just named this episode. You got to risk it to get the biscuit. Um, yeah, you you've got to take that risk if you want to be more visible. Yes, moving into a bigger, beautiful space that has more foot traffic or more traffic passing by every day is 
going to generate more brand awareness and more trust, especially if your salon looks good and your branding is good, right? So if they see you, if they come across you on social media, they'll immediately go, oh, that's that place on such and such street. They're a legitimate business. So yeah, you probably are naturally going to attract more clientele to your business if you are looking to grow. And obviously you are if you want to go into a bigger space that's going to cost you more, right? So you may be solo right now. You may almost be at capacity. But what will happen is when you move into your new space, you'll attract a few more clients and then all of a sudden you're booked, right? Then it's probably going to come time to hire somebody else and then so you can grow more. And you can do that in a larger space with more visibility that, you know, evokes trust in in future clients, right? So you need to take this leap. And there's another saying of mine, oh, it's not really of mine, but I heard it somewhere, I forget where, but you know, bite off more than you can chew and then chew really fucking hard. So sometimes when you actually take the leap of faith and you trust in yourself, you overcome all your fears and and doubts and you take the leap of faith to, you know, spend an extra 250 bucks a week on rent, for example. Now, I don't know how much more this place is actually going to cost, but, you know, just say you're spending 200 where you are and the new place is 450 almost doubling the price that you were paying before. It's weird how those new clients just materialize. And again, like I think I spoke about it in the in the last episode, but you know, I am into the law of attraction and the universe, bit woo-woo, I know, but like if you put it out there to the universe that you have big plans to grow, the universe will come back and reward you for it. So you stay little, you stay small, you hold back on spending an extra $250 a week on rent. Those $250 worth of clients are probably not going to come to you in the smaller place that you're in. So take the leap, go into the larger space. If you can afford it, I mean, whole other side note here, if you can't afford it, don't do it. But if you are comfortably making enough money now with the clients that you have that you can afford the rent, but your profit margin is going to be that little bit slimmer, just for a little while until you build, I would say go for it. When I moved from my smaller salon into the bigger salon that I'm in now, the rent was double. But I could only fit one myself and another staff member in my first salon. I physically could not grow any more than what I had done there. I'd exhausted all possibilities while both working full-time hours. I couldn't open any more days or fit more clients in without adding another staff member. So I knew that I had to go into that bigger space. So take the leap, spend the extra money. You will be shocked at how those new clients come, right? And all of a sudden you'll be making that little bit more from the extra exposure to comfortably cover the rent. And then when you add a team member, that's when you'll be cooking with gas, right? So just do it, girlfriend, if you can afford it. (laughs) I want to give bad advice. Um, Look, nine times out of 10, it works out. If you decided that you want to grow and you want to do this properly, go into the bigger space. The clients will come. You'll make it work. Get on Instagram more. Make sure you promote yourself. Get your branding done. Might be time for a rebrand, right? You know, have it all updated for your new space. Get your space looking beautiful. The clients will come 
if you actually put the work in to presenting yourself as the go-to lash artist in your local area or your new local area. But I hope that helped. As always, if you have gotten anything out of this podcast, if you have enjoyed all of this content and it has helped you or helped somebody else that you know, please just spend 30 seconds and leave me a rating and review. I read all of them. I love uh, reading them. I've had a few new ones lately and they were just made me go, oh, it's just so nice because I sit here talking into a microphone and obviously no one's listening live, but you know, it's, it's, it's weird that to me <laughs> that people listen to this show and get a lot out of it. I know that I'm giving a lot, but uh, yeah, you know, it does take a lot of effort to put this podcast together, a lot of time, effort and money on my part, definitely. But I do love doing it. and I love helping you. So if you could help me by just spending 30 seconds leaving a rating and review, I will be forever grateful. But that is all I've got for you today, guys, and I will see you online soon.